0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Oscar Robertson, Blue What a year has been! The Bucs are the
2: world champions! going inside.
0: 2nd,
1: Middleton, yes, Chris Middleton! Happy birthday, Jason Kidd, places up for
0: grabs! Behind the back, Giannis, and then a good ball, and in watch. Holy moly! Dudley, up top, open, he's got a clean catch! Oh. And Milwaukee wins it! play basketball and win. And win? Yeah.
2: How many games? Six. Be, win
3: a six. Hello and welcome to episode 356 of the Winning Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep podcast network and the Blue R podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, happy new year. How are you doing?
1: Happy new year. I'm doing well.
3: How about you? Yeah, good, I guess. You know, everything's everything's fine. Um
2: <laughs> that's
3: like too enthusiastic. We're we're back. We had a little bit of a not, not actually really a planned break, but I think for work-related reasons for both of us, um, we've kind of struggled to connect for a couple of weeks, but we're we're back now all set to get back in the flow, I think. Um, are we excited to talk about the Bucks in the NBA? We keep listening to find out. So the best way to put that um but we are we're gonna talk to some of the recent events surrounding the books where the nba season's at generally and just you know what does it all mean what's the point of it all what are we doing um have you been enjoying watching the books over since we last recorded i mean you were on with tyne rohan like a week ago but i think our last episode was the the airing of, of Festus grievances which I I mean I'm I may just re air some elements of that today. I think we were ahead of our time on that front. But how have you been finding watching the books through maybe the weirdest spell in our entire time like podcasting with this team? Yeah, uh, it's
1: uh, yeah. I don't know if there's another spell that would be as weird and as we'll get into um i haven't i mean i don't know i think this i think the post title effects have still remained for me in that um i'm less online during games i don't watch a lot of live games Mm -hmm. so i'm not it's not as much in the moment and generally i try to avoid scores but you know that's impossible that's a yeah um, but when they lose, like, I mean, like a game, like last night, there's against the Hornets, the second game against the Hornets, though, you could say the same, about the first game against the Hornets, there's like tough breaks and stuff like that. And you're, of course, just like, ah, uh, like it, that's not what, you know, the fan element always kicks in, but like, I don't know, like, i am not broken up about losses and stuff like that just as much as i would have been maybe just last year or even a couple years ago
2: because
1: it just it feels i mean do you
3: you think that's the title for you 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 think that's the title rather than other factors of play oh there's definitely
1: other factors i I I feel similar writing about it every day i I
3: feel well that, that too but i feel similarly but i i don't think it's just a a joy of a title that's kind of carried over that I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. I I think it's more indifference to whatever the hell this season is.
1: Yes. That also plays into effect when to Galloway, this is not a knock against him.
2: Yeah, we've, we quite like him.
3: We wanted him for a long time. Maybe Every, not at this and point. Behind and the under these circumstances. Wrote, he's
1: <laughs> in it. So I will this, I guess, for like the last five years. Um, but like he comes in and it sounds like to me when they signed him, it, it was like, oh, we're playing Brooklyn. Who just played in Brooklyn is not going to be affected by COVID.
3: Does, does not, not like, have to even get on like, the plane, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And now he's playing what, like probably 15, 18 minutes at this point? Maybe a little less than, but like he's a rotation regular because as of this recording, Grace and George are out due to health and safety protocols, and Drew's, Drew's uh, injured. injured. So, yeah, like when you see these 10 day guys kind of come in and just they're bucks, but it doesn't, it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same as them picking up Boogie and like, oh, like he's going to help uh, alleviate what they're losing with Brooke before this phantom surgery just came to fruition. Um or like Wesley Matthews signing midseason the, the big like, no, this is we meant to do this. Like it's the weight of it's like that's where it's starting to get like a huge gray area with this whole season is the intent behind moves. And it's like, oh we just need your a uh, replacement player. Come in and play. That's you know what I mean. What the, the
3: boogie move? that's the only way we can view it on hindsight. Um, I don't, I don't know if we necessarily feel that was the right way for the books to view it. But when the story of this season is told, I think that's ultimately the only way we're going to be able to view that deal. Even for example, Probably, I mean, yeah. right now we can say that about Wes matches and yeah, it does seem that way. He's playing pretty well. Could that change yet before the season's out? Yeah. Like I, I just don't really rule anything out at the moment. Um, with a few obvious exceptions of players who aren't going to be traded. Who knows, really, where they go from here. It's, you know, I, I know play random led to uh, an NBA championship for the books, but the NBA as a whole is, you know, the play is a bit random this year. You know, the whole concept of the NBA, everything involves in it. It's literally like someone has, like, pressed a randomizer button. And you're just getting these names thrown onto rosters. And it's like, yeah, I guess this is a starting lineup tonight. Oh, Jordan War is starting at the moment, or, you know, it's...
1: It's play random, not random play.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm finding it really tough. Uh, I'll be honest. I find it really tough to just care, to be invested. I don't want to overdo this kind of talk, because I don't know if it's necessarily what people want to hear us talk about with it. I think there are There are likely some people who are feeling the same, though. It's where you watch it and you're like, what is this? What is the point of this? What are we learning from it? Never has the 82-game schedule, which has never really bothered me as a fan, felt as grueling or as unnecessary as seeing this long of a runway to try and get to the business end of the season and watching some of the lineups that are being totted out. And it's it's just not very instructive because even – on the occasions, and we've had very brief um, moments recently, where it seemed like, oh, look, the books have something resembling like what could be a team or a rotation. They'd they'd want to see some minutes in the playoffs. That can happen, and you can be playing against a team that's, you know, all ten day hardship guys anyway. So then, what are you learning in that case? Like, it's just, it's everyone is doing a really good job. I feel, and kudos to everyone. Like when I look on Twitter, I feel this that everyone else is just getting on with this season as if any of it is normal or as if there's really, you know, substance, as if there's something meaty that we can, we can draw from watching these games like we do in a normal year and try to project forward as to what it all means. And more and more, just look at them. Like, this is all completely meaningless. I mean, there, there's a very good chance that this could be one of the most, again, random, NBA seasons when we get to say the playoffs and we have seedings and both conferences and who comes out of first round ser- series and all that kind of stuff because at the moment it's really hard to tell just what way things could break who's going to have kind of bouts in health and safety protocol that obviously just remains uncertain generally new variants could emerge we'll see on the on close contact stuff and even on the reinfection of, of Omicron but It's it's really really grim and honestly more than any other sport and things are bad kind of all over the NBA. It's just it's a shadow of what it was, and it's going to it's going to lead to a lot of uncomfortable stuff down the line. The way we always get the annual, you know, the ratings talk and ratings are down or ratings are going to be way way down this year, and it can just be explained away as oh you know well. We didn't have this or we didn't, but it's okay, then what are you doing? Where was, where was the foresight for that? Where was the invention? Where was any kind of plan in place to get a better product out there on, on the floor? I mean, the only saving grace that could potentially be there is that playoffs near and everything starts to look real again. And you get to see the best players against the best players. And we get a kind of competitive run in where teams will be jostling for seeding because they're not going to be necessarily in a spot where their ability on paper would suggest they should be. And then you could have competitive playoff series beyond that. But right now it's like, as I I mentioned to you just before we started, I was playing some, some catch up on some games. I missed one of them was the Nets game. And it's like, they beat the Brooklyn Nets, not full strength Nets, not full strength books, but you know, enough there on both sides where it's not meaningless. And yet there's a spell in that game where I'm watching and I'm watching a lineup of Langston Galloway, Jordan War, Rodney Hood, tenasis and, and Sandman. And it's like, what am I what are we doing? Why is anyone having to watch that? That is not the books. That is not a lineup that you should be seeing in a books Netscape, but the books the books were hanging too, like with that lineup out there. And a Harden and Durant were out there. And it's because Harden and Durant are out there with like three other guys who just shouldn't be there either. It's it's very, very weird. I'm, I'm finding it tough to get invested. I'm hoping kind of, as we were all hoping, and for lots of different ways and lots of reasons, that things will ease off and we'll see something closer to just what we got last year even. You know, last year wasn't without its problems. The year before was certainly not without its problems. I think the NBA January did a better job of preserving the quality of its product as opposed to just ensuring that the show goes on, which it very much feels like that's what this season is so far.
1: Yeah, that's that's ultimately the biggest difference. Is that it's it's not it's the cumulative uh, effect of in the last what twenty four months, like nearly twenty four months uh-huh. since since COVID, the bucks have been off four months before the bubble, three and a half months before the start of last season, and two months, no, three, three months this, going into this year, and it's just, it's the, like, this is not, the Bucks aren't the only case, but like, the fact that they've been a contending team, played somewhat deep in the playoffs in the bubble, and then went all the way last year. One and all, all that stuff. And you're just seeing, just kind of like, I don't know, like it's just, I think it's, I think part of it is the fact that it's just been like the NBA has played, th- or they're playing three different seasons <laughs> in a span of 24 months. And nor like that would feel normal if it wasn't for everything else going on and stuff, but, you know, the present circumstances have been. In- resulting in what we're seeing with the Bucks now but like that obviously plays into effect of how we are looking at the overall product and the Bucks and the nba and stuff like that because like i'm not watching a lot of other teams or anything like that i'm not
3: watching other teams at all this year yeah and i see them when they play the Bucks. that's yes that's that's it and and again to that that leaves you obviously less plugged in than in previous years. Cause the team that when you see them, when they play the books, like all well, their best players could be out.
2: Yeah. And you may not see exactly. them
3: again all season. And it's like, I just don't have the appetite to go and be like, Oh, let's watch some of team X.
1: Yeah. And I don't know. Like, it's just, it's that in this, this need of like, the show goes on and we got to get back to our, our, you know, normal schedule, play eighty-two games, all this stuff, and it's like we uh, we understand what the players are doing. They're—they're they're green to this, obviously, trying to return back to a sense of normalcy. But when,
3: well, yeah, but what they are doing though, what the league is doing, is ensuring they uphold their TV agreements and get paid. And the players are doing this because this ensures that they get paid. Yes. Know that's the service of all these guys coming in and getting their their 10 days. Really, all it's doing is ensuring the, the mega money goes to all the rest of the players who have their
2: contracts locked in.
1: Yep. And at some point, like because of everything going around and it's you know it's part of life now. It's just like, okay, we're just gonna plug on and just keep you know, ramming through that wall and it's, like, eventually you're just not, like, the the knock-on effect of just having to, like, okay, we're just going to, like, keep going, keep going, keep going, is that it's going to result in burnout eventually in terms of just, like, whether it's seeing teams fade or, you know, for whatever reason, there's a million, you know, million reasons at this point why (laughs) a team could be struggling or what's alien a team or just the product itself because it's like yeah it's there's great things that happen in the nba but and you know kudos to the, to all those players that are you know taking that step up and they're realizing their nba dream but it's also like it just feels so i don't know It just made it more like the the transaction feel of it all. It just, it's everything just feels so processed in this way where it's like, it doesn't have, the regular season just does not have any meaning at all right now. And it's not going to get better because the start, the inflection point already happened and we're seeing it like trickle down even further and further and further to the point where it's like, how we view the NBA and how every like, I don't know. This I'm just talking out of my butt at this point. But like, no, just... uh,
3: but I, I mean, I, can I speak personally? And I I don't feel like I'm I'm burned out by the the kind of three seasons into two years, all the the time span of that, and the books, and the relentlessness of the ups and downs of their journey through that time, and just the idea of this kind of COVID version of the NBA. Like, if anything, I'm I'm more desperate than ever to just like give me a run of like 10 games where you know I'm I'm not looking for the books to be fully healthy like brooks got his health things you've got normal injury stuff that you'd have anyway but give me a run where they're playing games where it's like this is a team this is a rotation this is a version of the books that I can invest in because it matters because the players on the floor the players being on the floor together That's a lineup that they're looking at for this reason. It could carry over to the postseason. Uh, And they're they're up against a team where it's like, you're going to see that team's best defender on this guy. You know, all of that, you're going to get to see different problems and you're going to see, can the book solve them? What's causing them? It just doesn't feel like any of that is happening. Like we could, and maybe we will talk a little bit about like, hey, the Hornets kind of have the book's number, but do they? Like I, I don't I know. I would say I, yes,
1: actually, because they have always I, been a thorn in their
3: side. I, I, think they kind of do, but then also, like, if Drew Holiday's available, the books probably just win those two games. Yep. And if the bench wasn't what the bench was, you know, is is maybe an even an even better way of looking at that. If you just had something of anything, um, if Pat hadn't missed some of that time in health and safety protocols too, just it, it feels like any important role player drops out and it gets so much worse right now and then in terms of starters like it's it's been quite a while I don't we've maybe got one game briefly in between things where everyone got back but I don't even know if that's true Better than
1: Christmas because Grayson played but he's been in and out of the lineup he's been dealing
3: with all variety of his own stuff so
1: I think that's the thing too is that like I mean we talked about it I talked about Ty and Rohan after the whole Boogie moving on from him and it's like there are games where I'm looking at who they're playing the Bucks are playing the team that I'm invested in and I'm like I don't really want to watch that.
3: It's not, it's not your team like.
1: Exactly and it, like I feel like most before then it would be like oh you're playing against the Magic yeah they got Franz Wagner I'm not I like basketball and stuff like that. They're just, like, they're bad teams. I don't mm-hmm. want to see this just to be, like, you know, it's going to be, like,
3: knockout, where they're just, like,
1: <laughs> if the game was over in the first half or whatever, like, that case may But, like...
3: It's it's like when, even, the M- when the NFL brought in, like, those, uh, those replacement referees, except oh, it's, like, yes. it's the players. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what we're dealing with. And I, at some point, it's just, like... Yeah, you know, sure, they're wearing the same jerseys. And really, that's, I suppose, what we're all here for is rooting for the jersey. But is it really? Maybe that's felt more kind of acutely because we're the season after a championship. So in theory, there are guys in this team that we're more attached to than ever. We have more built up with and invested in. And you're just not going to see them play. Like, uh, maybe that is the area where the championship kind of feeds into it even more. But on the whole, it's just like... I I feel like we're watching the zombie NBA and you know what there, I I feel like there's better things that everyone, including NBA players could be doing with their time. It's just at what point do you just like, it's keep going for the sake of, for the sake of, for the sake of it. I I think a shortened season this year would have made so much sense. And even after the fact, I mean, I, I know that negotiations have to go into that. There's stuff they work out. I think it would have been worth it. I, I think you would have found maybe less resistance with players who are probably burned out and just sick of all of the, the protocols and the travel restrictions and all the different kind of wrinkles that come into their routine with COVID. I think there would be some appetite there. And if you have a shorter schedule, same kind of time frame, then you can postpone games when it gets as bad as it has at times. You know, you can postpone games and you're giving yourself room in the schedule to work stuff back in instead of, you know, oh the Milwaukee books are in town tonight. And you look at it, and you're like, well, that's not the books. That's not that's not the world champions. We'll see. Hopefully, this picks up. It's not something that we're gonna have to continue talking about and thinking about. Theoretically, and this is very dicey territory, particularly with with Omicron and the, the current wave of COVID. Like, seems like most books players have got it. To... <laughs> It's, it seems like they've worked yeah. through a lot of the roster now. And in theory, you know, between boosters, between people having been infected, let's hope their immunity is up and we get a spell of some time where there just isn't quite as much of this as there has been. Whether that actually holds up, whether that proves to be true, that's a different story entirely. But we'll we'll see. I mean, in the meantime, as we record this, the books have lost four of their last five. And some of those are kind of just ugly losses. But as you kind of pointed to earlier, it's like it's like, yeah, they let that one go and they let go against a bad team, but and what? <laughs> you know, what what is what are we taking from that? What are we reading into it? Even since we last recorded Win and Six episode, you look at the standings, and it's like the Bulls are the top of the East. Like, does that mean the Bulls are the best team of the East? No, it means they're they're surviving pretty well, you know, they're catching some breaks, they're a good team, and they're taking advantage of what goes their way. But also, I think the the, the last month or so of just the way everything has kind of spiraled out of control with COVID and the NBA. The evidence of that is in the standings where like the Knicks in 11 are six games back of the Nets in second, you know, the whole, the whole thing has just congested cramped together into, I guess what's a level playing field, because you know what, most of the best players and the distribution of talent that kind of established the order of what the NBA is has collapsed. (laughs) because you are you're looking at replacement level players playing against replacement level players and so at that point it's like what is like where are you even finding your advantages around the margins let's hope it picks up the the books the the one thing i'll say on that sorry is just that the books do kind of need to get it together in some capacity and they they're in need of getting guys back because you don't want to kind of go into a full-on tailspin beyond what those last five games have been they've been kind of keeping it together pretty well finding themselves right around the kind of spots where they needed to be they're still there just about but if they wanted to go like a two and eight span over 10 games which is just not impossible with all the stuff going on at the moment anything come up to make that happen i mean we haven't even mentioned it so far. And as much as Darvin Ham is a great coach who would make a great head coach, the books been playing without their coach <laughs> the last few games. So that certainly doesn't, doesn't help things either just in terms of your regular routine. I mean, some wins would be welcome just to get themselves a little bit closer to the top, the kind of position where they would like to be, but does it matter how they get them? Are we going to learn a lot in how they get them? I'm, I'm not so sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, COVID has brought on parody in the NBA, and it's people wanted
3: this. Remember when people wanted parody? Yeah,
1: and it's like you have it. Do you like it? I don't know if you do. Is it meaningful? I don't know. Um. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
3: Well, what, what do you want to go to next? Do you want to talk a little bit more about so the roster decisions? I mean, you did a podcast. I haven't really talked about Boogie yet.
1: Is the floor yours? Would you like to talk about
3: Boogie? I did tweet about it a few days ago. I'd be more interested in is the reaction from books fans to the news and the idea that there is this kind of defense of the move in terms of he's not going to play in the playoffs. It's like have you been watching these books games recently? I think it's safe to say a lot of these guys should be playing in the playoffs. It's like, eventually, <laughs> you've got to have players on your roster. This is how NBA rosters work. We're learning that guys who we hoped would play in the playoffs in the summer when they signed them are just nowhere near that standard. And I think Boogie is certainly ahead of a, two, a couple of them in terms of what he gave. I, I think Shemi OJ and Rodney Hood they didn't necessarily give production like Boogie gave. No. And most importantly, I mean, he's that the greatest position to need. The books just do with a a backup serviceable big. And I, I still think there's like maybe because the individual that all this centered around that we end up talking about when he was playing well, when he wasn't playing well, when he signed, when he was waived, because it was former All-NBA player DeMarcus Cousins, that's just still a scooter for people. But I think just, you know, separate that and just imagine that as a faceless player, replacement big. This was the last episode we did. We were just talking about the bodies. The books needed bodies. They got some bodies. They, they still need someone who's just going to soak up some minutes there. He's going to ease some pressure all around. So you can give some quality production. I think Boogie could do more than basically anyone else they're going to get a look at outside of the trade market or outside of any surprises with buyouts, that's always difficult because there's rarely as many interesting or appealing buyout candidates as people think. And the other issue there is you have to compete for them. You know, if they're bought out, not just great. There's one guy we can get him. It's like, well, books will be better positioned than most, but you've got, you're going to have competition. It would be really nice not to not to steer back into like old habits here or really to go with to go-to uh, Eurostep podcast topic. It would be really nice to have a timeline on Brooks injury now though. Like yeah. it, it would be good to know, is it close? I d I don't believe it is. I know that Zach Lowe had some notes about there's there's encouraging um Kind of sounds coming out of the books within the organization, they remain very positive, and not only be back for the playoffs, but he could be back quite a bit before the playoffs. I'm gonna hazard a guess that that doesn't mean January or February. <laughs> I'm gonna, it could be like mid March, late March, which is still quite a long way away. And you're looking at the books right now, and you're like, okay, um, there's there's a big gap, quite literally a big gap um, that needs to be filled between now and then. And I think maybe most interestingly, since Boogie has gone, like, I, I think the books could have used them in those Hornets games. I think they would have benefited. They needed just a little bit extra. And whether that was some interior passing, some some points inside, whether it was rebounding, whether it's just some size again, because for the relief that that offers to, to Giannis, to Bobby, I think it would have been nice, and they don't have that option. I mean, it's not like Langston Galloway was a move that that really was a response to waving boogie, but it is interesting that they have responded not very proactively in terms of getting another big. Like the the wait and see on that, I'm not sure. Now part of that is Sandman's playing some minutes, mm-hmm. and he's doing he's doing some good things some okay things i think there's an element of people overhyping really what he's doing he looks capable he looks fine i think the books need a little bit more than that and they need someone who is just a slightly different style of player i i don't know if that's necessarily kind of the fairest reflection for him but it's something we talked about when they drafted him in that he's a weird player and he's not the most natural fit and for the books there were going to be challenges with that but for me when i'm looking at still i'm like yeah, it's a team that needs a centre. Like, they just do. And we don't know going kind of further down the line what Brook is going to look like when he does come back, how well he'll play, if he'll have other kind of minor injuries then when he's coming back, getting back to speed. A big who can take a few minutes is something that it would have been beneficial to this team. And particularly when you, you look at it right now and if you're going to go to those arguments, which I just think are some of the more pointless, which is, oh, Boogie's not good enough to play in the playoffs. Jeff Teague wasn't good enough to play in the playoffs. The books won a championship, but I'm playing some minutes at times. Like, ultimately what it would come down to is someone has to play, and you can only deal with the roster you have. And right now, the books have got rid of Boogie Cousins. They don't have a replacement of sorts for him. So what are you going to (laughs) do? What are you going to do there? Like, Boogie is better than nothing, and right now they're dealing with nothing at that spot.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, for all the talk about like, oh, he wouldn't play in the playoffs and all that stuff. It's like, well, we can't put the the cart before the horse kind of thing where it's like, you have to get to the playoffs and have to be in a good position to succeed in the playoffs, which was more true. I mean, as of now, there's still so many questions surrounding Brooke and, you know, encouraging optimism aside that comes from, Unnamed sources. Yeah, unnamed sources. Um, you just don't know until that happens. If Do you think there was like him? a
3: witch hunt internally to find out who said that? Could have been... Who dared to give even the slightest update on Brooke Lopez's health? I don't know.
1: It could have been... We saw Horace respond pretty quickly after that news of Boogie Cousins' is uh, waving, so... They could have done. They're doing the, their uh, like PR. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, oh, is that close to that? Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Not not for the first time. To be cynical, with it, it, it. There was a feeling of some PR wheels being in motion there, and the oh. books, the books responding pretty firmly I don't to think, that. And that. I don't. I don't that's remember. Stuff that's kind of just that everyone's was talking about the stuff that wasn't being talked about as much. It's just the whole everything around it just feels like, you know. The wheels were in motion there. The, the PR machine was moving. And honestly, and as, as has been the case, knowingly or unknowingly, there were a lot of books fans who were doing that work too. And then you get to the money questions and start talking tax. And like I was getting tweets about, oh, you know, they had to, to, to get rid of them because it didn't contract guarantees. And then they have no flexibility. It's like, hey, to break to you. They don't have flexibility. They have no flexibility regardless of what they do. Like there is no... There is was no loss to them from guaranteeing his salary other than the cost it takes to pay, you know, other than the tax. Even with that, you're talking about a veteran. You're getting a large chunk of salary back from the NBA from what's left of the season. Like, you're not talking about the completely astronomical figure added on to the tax bill. As I said and always will say, it's easy from our seats. It's not our money. But also, I didn't decide to buy a sports team. and decide that I want to win championships because if you do that the story is different it's like yeah you've got to spend money it's like if you're doing that and you're serious about it you've got to spend your money it's it's as straightforward as that and there is nothing in theory that stops them from having kept boogie in a financial sense brook comes back he's playing great you don't need boogie well then wave him and sign someone else wave him and sign someone else all that's going to cost you is what you're prepared to pay. Um there's clearly a line that has been drawn there. Now look, we're not in the room, we're not in the building. There may well be, and there's certainly there is there's certainly some kind of sense that maybe there's more to it than just any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, all I, I come think back there is but all I come back to is they need a center. He was a center. They got rid of him now they don't have a center. Yeah. Like I, I don't care beyond that because if it's playing the game of perfect solutions, you're not playing the right game at the right time because this is not the season for that. Yes, yeah. it's, it's like yeah, is Boogie the ideal person for the books? Is he the ideal player? Is he the perfect fit? He can be none of those things. And this year of all seasons, you might just have to be like, is he the best we can get right now? Is it the best thing we can do to make ourselves competitive? Yes. So there's a lot of that that I'm I'm struggling with. And again, it was something that came up on the, the airing of grievances we had. I feel like John Horst is like endlessly optimistic. And he always thinks that there's a better deal. There's a better deal. There's a better player. I'll just, I can find the next one. I can find the next one. I find the next one. And I feel this is part of why he just does not stop. He's relentless in doing that. Like good for him. I mean, that's great to have such positivity and optimism. I do not share that trait. And I I just, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, what is next? You know, show me the blueprint of where the progression for Boogie Cousins 2 comes in next is better for the books or how all of this is going to be better short-term, better long-term. It's, it's not something that's just kind of there right in front of you where it's easy to explain and say, yeah, I... I get the thought process. Now, it doesn't mean that a deal isn't there to be made. There's always a deal to be made. But the more you go back to that well, the more you're constantly relying on finding the right deal, finding the right deal, and you're going to be trying. And that's that's always your plan. Your plan is basically relying on hitting home runs mid-season. You're going to get found out. You're going to get found out, and you're going to get found out in a way that is painful and obvious one of these times. This may be it. Like, this may be it, given the uncertainty with Brooke, even when he comes back. The books have an issue there. And it's one, too. I, I do even think we might have a question later. I, to me, it's painfully obvious when I watch the team. And yeah, I don't necessarily think it's the thing a lot of books fans are are most, like, the point guard is the thing at the moment, where I'm just like, I don't see the issue. Like, take the very immediate now out of the 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 equation. And it's like... You've got Drew Holiday and George Hill who've both been fantastic this season. You know, the books are great when when those guys are on the floor. And then you've got countless other players who are capable of kind of playing relief minutes as a point guard. It's center is the thing you just can't, you can't get around. Like the books are always at the moment a minor injury away from being like, if this was a playoff game, we're playing Pat Conanton at the five. Because we don't want Tamasis the yeah. out there, we don't want Mammu out there. It's that's just not really smart. You know, that's you could get away with it, but there's every chance in this season of all seasons where
2: player absences and injuries and illnesses are more prevalent than ever that you want. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. It's it was a confusing move. In terms of, it felt like uh, not to repeat
1: myself from the emergency podcast, but it felt like Boogie proved everything that he had to prove in order to stay in Milwaukee. Would he? Would they have you know kept on? Would that have led to a big impact in the playoffs? No, but considering just the season that the Bucks had gone through the endless number of absences. You can't. For like forecast anything (laughs) relating to fully having a fully healthy roster or putting their best players on the floor at all times, because that's just not. First of all, that was never possible to begin with, um, pre-COVID, and then just add on everything else that's going on this season, and it's just not. It's
3: it's more of a fool's errand than ever now. Like yes, there, there it was never possible, but. In hindsight, now, I would forgive everyone who used to do that in the past, and then injuries will come and disrupt that because we're dealing with something that's just so much more instant and constant that, yeah, it's, it's very hard to overlook just how changeable all this is. And with that, you need to be more prepared than ever. And the book step isn't holding up as well as we'd liked at the start of the season. But... they still, even with players that I don't think are very good and I don't think will be part of the playoff picture like, I think they're there and they're enough to get by in the way that we're talking about like, if you didn't have them and you needed to sign someone on a hardship 10 day, or you need to sign someone at the end of the season, there's a very good chance that they could be like, okay, we're signing Shemi Ojale because we're short at the forward position or we're signing Rodney Hood because we're short at the wing, like there are things that could happen now in just the sense of that's an NBA guy who's been around for a few years, can play a bit, maybe isn't great, but is better than what we're going to have that's, if, we're, if we're really yeah. shorthanded. But center is the position where they don't have that. They don't yeah. even have that guy that's like, okay, well, this isn't what we thought. This isn't someone who could play in the playoffs, but you know, are they fine as a stopgap? Are they going to tie us over for the moment? Yes. And that is the interesting thing about the current construction of the roster, because it's it's really the only position where you don't have those options. You've got some combination of Giannis and Bobby. I guess people now are going to say you've got Mamu, but really, I, I'm I'm not there. I'm just not because that again, I'm I'm struggling with the idea that so little of what we're seeing actually kind of feels like it's mapping forward to what this season is ultimately going to be judged by. I think the idea of Mamu being a center option would fit squarely in that. It's like if you're thinking like that, I mean, you're you're not thinking about the playoffs. You're not thinking about the Bucks being a seriously competitive team this season. Maybe maybe they can develop him and he can continue to round this game out, and that could be something very weird but very effective in the long run. But it's not there yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could t- say this whole like notion of. Oh, he wasn't going to play in the playoffs anyway. It's like that applies to the players that are actually out of the box right now, too. Like, I don't know if Jordan War is going to play playoff minutes because you can't really trust him defensively, you know, consistently. And they're pretty loaded at, you know, whatever position he plays. He plays sometimes as like a two guard positionally or he plays, you know, wing or even can play at four. But you watch that Hornets game last night and it's like, oh, they were in that game because Jordan Wara hit, you know, a couple threes and got high in that third quarter.
2: And
3: another example of something that just I'm, I'm having a tough time with because it's, it's, it's not real. Like as much as we hoped Jordan Wara could be that kind of player, could could be a major part of things. The season today is telling us that's not something you can rely on game to game. And I mean, even him having that game in that Hornets game, you can't really overlook what happened in the first game against the Hornets where he was essentially a non-factor. So yeah. that's the situation there. You can't hang your head on any of that. So have you really got anything at all? Not really. So yeah. Do you think we're raising people's spirits with this conversation?
1: Yeah. I think this is a, exactly. <laughs>
3: this is why I was I wary I of some of this. Um, as content but hey we're true to ourselves and that's all we we can ever really be so uh in order to raise people's spirits let's talk about Dante Di Vincenzo <laughs> Jordan you put Dante on the agenda he is back um yes, he's he is. he's already had something of a setback and rolled his ankle and missed a bit of time too but he is back he is back. you? <laughs> what's what's your feeling on what we have seen from Dante De Vincenzo so far? Because uh, the Twitters, um the Twitterers, Jordan, they they certainly have thoughts.
1: Um, I believe Let me look this up again. I should have probably done this when you were vamping.
3: Um, I was not I vamping, I was I was asking a not, very not vamping but incisive, in scene. There, you know. Um, yes,
1: Dante Di Vincenzo has played three games, so he's still working his way back. He's essentially had to return, he's,
2: he's played four games. I have NBA stats up in front of me, it says four. Oh, my spell reference is. They're
1: lagging. I don't know why. it says three. Anyway, play four games. Um. Yeah. Oh, they don't have the short the Hornets game for some reason from last night. Um. So has had to return not once but twice because, went into health and safety protocols and then sprained his ankle pre, at the Raptors game. I yeah,
3: I, th- I think so.
1: Um. And still not hit. A two point shot at all?
3: Um, that's problematic.
1: Yeah, that's like that's worse than DJ Augustine during his brief run in Milwaukee.
3: Um, I was hoping that was an area of his game too that he would have worked on a bit. Uh, I'm not even I'm not even being funny here because no. obviously finishing layups and stuff has been a real weakness. I was like. Maybe on the scooter, like he could have been, you know, powering his way to the rims. I'm, I'm not even really joking here. Um, I, I just, I was hoping that that was an area with some approved. And so zero two point makes so far is definitely, definitely not ideal.
1: I, I think again we're coming off a night that I think I had basketball reference at the fade. <laughs> He didn't hit any field goals, only I think all his points came from the free throw line. Um, so objectively, a bad night. It just it struck me last night watching him that like he has a way of really compounding his
3: like mistakes.
1: For example, well, he took seven three
3: pointers that's that's one example i of' give of that, and that's something he should not be doing.
1: There was a play, and he wasn't fully at fault at this. I think it was him and Pat they were like kind of in the dunker spot defensively where they could have easily gone up for a rebound, you know, started the bucks and transition, done you know done what the bucks always do. Instead, neither jumped for the ball. Hornets eventually grabbed the rebound, pretty uncontested. Um, and I think Dante, it was one of a couple times where he followed, like, a jump shooter. And it's like, okay, that whole play starts because you didn't go up for the board and stuff like that. Maybe they didn't see the ball. I, like, I'm not trying to be, you know, Zapruder filling, like, all these mistakes or anything like that. But it's like stuff like that kind of just keeps happening. And granted, this is, you know, you're trying to find your rhythm, you're trying to find your feet again, literally, after being off it <laughs> for nearly six months. But like, I just, I struggle. At some point, like, they're going to, they're really trying to force, trying to bring Dante back in the mix and trying to, you know, rehabilitate his career because as we've gone through it's you know been multiple issues as to why he's gone through a snake bin career at this point and it's it just it i don't know i'm just i'm kind of i don't really have any patience with trying to make him the best player he can be because it just does at some point you're going to if this team is ever fully healthy this season you're sliding who I think are better players and better fits with this team than Dante Vincenzo is. Like, there's no reason why Pat Connets and Grayson Allen, Wes Matthews shouldn't play over him at this point. I don't think now, I there's a
3: world where those three guys are held oh, I, don't play over yeah. Like It is it is night and day um, in terms of what they can do, what they've even been giving. And I, I just can't possibly imagine the scenario where that happens. And I've always been down on Dante and I there I just feel like there are people desperately clinging to the idea of him which that's really all it is because what are we looking at? It's like Zuma, look at how often he's played for the books in his career. He's been a part of good five-man units that included four Great players beside him. That's the story of his of his books career so far. That is that you want to make it super streamlined. Is that a little harsh? in some of his positive contributions, absolutely. But I I don't think we need to amplify and really go out of our way to emphasize his positive contributions because in the context of what the books are trying to do as a team, in the context of other guys in the roster, they're not that important. Like you, you don't need to put all of your eggs in the Dante Vincenzo basket because one, he can't be relied on, and two, like the best that you've got from him is, I would say, not better than the best that you've got from Grayson Allen. It may not be better than the best you'd get from Wes Matthews, although I don't know. Like Wes is playing great; he's playing when, better
1: than he did the first. Absolutely,
3: go-to. is that sustainable? Mm. Mm. You'd be wary of it, I but I guess. I still think there's still like, but yeah, there are things you will trust in him just in terms of his play type and you're um, throwing you're his throwing physicality around. I think exactly. That's that's a great example. Of there's it.
1: there's value in doing something like that. Dante, like I think, and it's not a surprise because it's you know the earlier the early years of your career affect. How your career—it's—it's it's all about development, and all, that, all that stuff. No one in the Bucks universe over the Bud era has been hurt more by COVID and the season stoppage than Dante. He has not been the same player. There was a brief spell at the start of last year where he was hitting three pointers, but we all knew that was unsustainable because no one's going to hit sixty percent of their three pointer point shots when you're hitting when it's like such a small sample size. But before how we were talking about da- Dante a couple of years ago during you know the ridiculously the best regular season, what was tracking to be the best regular season in Bucks history, and how he was slowly coming on that Lakers game. We probably reference a know, thousand Hamilton. times,
3: it's what we probably referenced that more than like any game in the playoffs last year. But it just
1: felt like, oh my gosh, like there is something like you could see something different where it's like, okay, he's doing things that like. He clearly was struggling at before, even when I would see him play with the herd. And he's doing that against, you know, eventually what was the NBA champs of that season? Asterisk. Asterisk. (laughs) But like all that stuff, all that stuff is gone. And I know injuries played a factor into it too. And that's, you know, telling the story of his career, but like he just isn't the same player. But more importantly,
3: so what was, like, that's true, but what, like, if the best version, if we're pinpointing to one game over and over or a small stretch of games just before, it's like, what are we talking about? What is the point of it? It's it's a waste of everyone's time. And also, I mean, it's gone too far. Like, he's a free agent in a few months. He's at a point where his trade value has got to be zero. Like... It really because... has got to be zero. I, the, his value on the open market is going to be super super low. I, I still see a lot of people thinking he's going to get a like a meaningful contract. Don't know if he is. Don't think like so. I, had... I certainly, if my team did that, I wouldn't be happy about it. I'd be like, what is this about? Like, what are we seeing here? Where would the confidence come from in his health? Like, there there isn't really good evidence. That someone no. could hang a case on for paying Dante
2: even at mid-level? Like, I, I wouldn't no. pay Dante at mid-level. By nope. biannual
3: exception, maybe, for some team. But you can probably get a veteran who's got a little bit more to offer for that. Or a young player who doesn't have the injury history. So maybe the upside is a little bit easier to imagine. I don't, I don't know. I, I really struggle with that. And with that too, then I guess if the books love him as much as I think they really do, like, and have maybe, maybe the door does eventually open for him to come back because just nobody wants it. But if that's the scenario, then why would the books want them either? <laughs> like, I, I, I think they're getting into very strange territory now, to be fair, he is not back for long. Yeah. And a struggle to come back is something I, I think generally we should give him a slightly kind of easier ride on. It's not, it's not something that's a surprise that happens to all players. My bigger issue was just that some of the things that we could term now as like, oh, he's just uh, getting his feet back under him they're not that different to things we've seen from him before like yes he kind of looks like Dante to me like yeah he's he's a worse version o of A from the field like he went last night like that's a worse version but a lot of the process and a lot of the kind of little bits and pieces of what he's doing out there they're they're, they're not a million miles from what he's always been with the books
1: exactly yeah i think that's yeah it's I don't know. It's a tough it's it was it's always a tough spot to be in because we saw it firsthand with a player that they invested way more in in Jabari and not to compare the two because they're not they weren't the same caliber of prospect or anything like that and the injuries are very different, obviously. But so at some point like it's a sunk cost what Dante is is to the Bucks. And you know he have a great game again. We're judging. It. I'm not solely basing this off of the Hornets game, but it was just it was that rough. Where it's like, I don't know. It it's it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in. Completely.
3: you Got anything um, you're feeling positive or optimistic about with the books? Just uh, I'd like us to try and find some stuff here. Maybe we should have loaded them up front. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll give one. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to say more than... Bobby Portis has been playing really well lately. Basically, every time I see the books, Bobby Portis is playing well. He's doing a lot of good stuff. I do think just his attitude, his demeanor, and the way he plays is maybe better suited to the, oh, we're down a couple of key guys. Someone yeah. else needs to step up and do some more. You know, it's Bobby time, and
2: he's generally delivered on that. So, kudos. I mean, that's all you can do. Um, I beyond that though, I, I'll struggle. I, Drew, quickly. Drew has been Great.
1: insanely good. <laughs> do
3: you think? Like, do you I, think he will be an all-star? He does to me feel like someone that the coaches will probably pick. He is a classic think... coaches pick player.
1: Yeah, and I, I think in part because Chris is out for a couple of weeks with COVID. Like that... I say that and I'm like, is that a demerit to his... Like, who isn't that a demerit to anybody's All-Star case at this point? Because everybody's been in health and safety. Well, what's that All-Star do for case?
3: awards at the end of the season? Like, too. It's. I mean, although probably everyone involved will have gone through that by the time it gets to it. But I, I think... Drew is due, like, a, a post-finals bump anyway. Like, the steal and how that put him front and center of everyone's imagination to then come into the season and play as well as he has been playing. And, frankly, to make plays that are kind of, you know, variations of the steal, like, every oh, night, yeah. to just, just keep grabbing the ball from people. And some of his finishes recently, too, are just insane. He's... He's really, really good. I, I would be quite surprised if he isn't an all star. I was not surprised to see he didn't factor at all on the voting. Um, maybe that can change. Last time I know Yanis got out and sent some tweets out, so that will certainly help.
2: Mm-hmm. But
3: I I would think it would take Yanis tweeting pretty regularly, um, to get Drew or Chris into the fan vote section. But I uh, I would be quite surprised if if doesn't earn it. True, the coaches, but then. I mean, he needs to get back on the court. You know? <laughs> he needs to get yeah. back on the court and have a strong kind of month or so leading into the selections for the All-Star game. We, have, we don't have many, but we do have a few mailbag questions. Will we go to the mailbag, or did you find anything else good?
1: I was going to say, I, I, I enjoy Jordan Wura. I, I think he's going to be a player. And I disagree with me. I'm disagreeing. <laughs> I think there's something there.
3: I don't know if it's a lot, but I think there's something. but what's it? so he's an NBA player on what kind of team
1: Well, that is the ultimate question. I think we've talked about this before we this is coming out of the out Olympics,
3: so I was convinced he's an NBA player, but I think he's an NBA player on a bad team like a like a like a good player, a player who's going to do a lot in a bad team. and I don't know how he fits into a good team
1: This is the highest outcome. And I'm not comparing him to this, but like before this year, it would have been like a guy like Zach Levine.
3: Right? Interesting. Another player I've never really liked.
1: But that kind of like gunner. He
3: had a he had a play in that Nets game that I, I was watching earlier, an ISO play, um, where he was just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and he was just kind of trying to get his defender asleep out in the wing and he took a pull-up tree and he made it. But the whole time, I was just like, I was finding it painful to watch. I was like, this is not, this is not how some of a lot of good team plays. Like, if you're going to do this, you need to be Kevin Durant or James Harden. You know, like, if this is, if this is how you're going to take your charity offense. I actually think the play I'm referencing to came in that lineup I mentioned earlier, where With, it's like, yeah. He, he had to be the guy, but yeah. let's let's try and find another way to create offense. And that's on Darvin Ham in that case, on the players around him. But it is also on him and where he likes to get his shots. How he—I I don't think he's good enough to be a contributor to a really good team with the way he plays. I—I I don't know if I'm not explaining that very well, but I. There's a whole wave of guys who can be very good for mid-tier to bad, just flat-out bad NBA teams. They can be the best player, the second-best player, the third-best player. They can put up points. But are they ever really like the guy in a better team? I mean, let me to look for some examples. Someone like Evan Fournier, maybe. And like you look at what his career has been. But even he's a better just kind of spot-up shooter. He won't do quite as much ISO. Maybe elements of Terry Rozier it's like you're not gonna be a real championship contender with Terry Rozier as a key player but yeah can he go and the Hornets give him a big contract and he kind of he'll put up numbers for them quite a lot and be a key part of what they're doing sure stuff like that can happen like that is the best case and I certainly think that's in there like his play at the Olympics was very eye-opening and exciting in terms of okay this guy really does have something how the books could integrate that into what they're doing I don't know and I'm not seeing it integrated very well when he is playing at the moment and I do think that in part like it's on the books too that his season's been disappointing and it's been inconsistent and he's had his spells down G League and all sorts of things where at the start of the season we're like you know can he break in can he really be someone that next year the playoffs come around and like Jordan Moore is this great offensive weapon off the bench the answer to that may still be yes as a reflection on other players who were brought in who I don't think are going to bring them anything on either end, so they may not want out there. But it's not going the way they want with him. And I I don't see how it could. Like, again, it's for different reasons to Dante, but we're at a point with him where it's kind of like the end of the road is coming. And all of that should be pretty scary for the books, given their cap situation and given, like, we've been talking about it for a long time, just in terms of the lack of kind of young drafted players, the lack of rookies and players on rookie deals to develop. I think there's a very good chance they're going to lose two guys. They had on rookie deals this summer. And they're going to find themselves in an even tougher spot in terms of recycling and building that up. I mean, the way Sandman's playing, I'm going to guess that he'll be on a real contract next season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unless they, (laughs) maybe
3: that's, the, I yeah. shouldn't I shouldn't make assumptions though. With the books, you never know. With John Horse, you never know. So he he actually he's also he's on a two-year, two-way deal. I was gonna
1: which, say that that they might play that and just be,
3: Which is just bad. Honestly, I think that is really uh, this was again to refer back to the festivus episode. I am more and more disgusted kind of by the day, just in terms of some of the slightly exploited of the ways that two ways are being, uh, implemented and what it's holding guys back from having to be paid like true veteran minimum deals like they should be. And then now you have the cycling true guys. Um, like what's it, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who came up briefly and is back with the herd now. Uh, oh, uh yeah. Like, cool for him he got up he played like three minutes in the NBA you get your few days Giannis gave him some shoes and he's back down like I saw that being framed as a feel-good story I don't know I don't feel so good about that it's 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 pretty weird like who's gaining from that the answer to go back to our conversation to start is the NBA because the TV money keeps on coming you yep. know but it's not really doing anything to set Devin Delorier up for a better spot in his career. So, I don't know. The, the cheapest way for the books would certainly to be keep, to keep uh, Manu on a two-way deal for a second season. But that wouldn't feel like something that would foster goodwill with the player if you actually did think there was some potential there and you someone you might want to be a part of the longer term. Yep. Okay, the mailbag. From an MK, Robert, what do the books need more? A third point guard or
2: another big... I, I gave my answer to this. It's a big for me. Yeah. From Matton 6 given last year's playoff success and the fact that they seem to play to the level of their
3: competition, are we to believe the books are now one of those teams that can successfully, quote
2: unquote, flip the switch come playoff time? Um... I mean, flipping the switch. Are we? Is the
1: switch just being the Bucks having all their starters minus Brooke? Is it being healthy? Is you know health and safety protocols? Everybody's clear of health and safety protocols, but is out of them as well. Like, like I understand. Where that like term is coming from, but like this year more than ever, it does not have any meaning to it. Where it's like they can't just be plugged in and just you know.
3: Uh,
2: it's really just
3: that they beat the Nets and they lost to the Hornets. Like that's Yeah. I got. I think that's kind of all we've we've got on on this kind of idea. Or like, oh, they won on Christmas Day against the Celtics but they lose to the Pistons to like, the in Pistons, early yeah. January. You know, I, I don't, I think it's kind of trying to explain away some of the past few weeks, which have been a really weird after the fact, if, if you're to take that kind of view of it, maybe they can flip the switch, but I, I don't think well, it's an accurate kind of representation of what we're seeing at the moment to be like, oh, this is just, this is just what they look like But the switch hasn't been flipped. Like it's, it's chalk and cheese. There's yeah. there's no there's no clear kind of sense of oh well they're doing something now that could be what they're doing in the playoffs. It's it's entirely, entirely different.
1: Yeah. Um and it wasn't like they were immune to losing skills last year. I mean, in part because Drew had COVID and was out for two weeks or whatever it was, they had like a five game losing streak. Um it was right before they I think that was right before they made the move for PJ and stuff like that. So it's like, if you could say they flipped the switch last year, yeah, they did. Um, certainly in some more urgent cases than others, uh, especially when playoffs roll around. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I don't know. Like it's it's just not. I don't think it's it's not for what we're seeing right now. It's not a. There are more egregious examples of, you know, they just didn't have the right focus. Maybe that Pistons loss. I did not watch that Pistons game, just to be very clear right now. Maybe that was. A, I,
3: actually, I actually watched that game.
1: Maybe that was a clearer case of. Just put were, my
3: credentials out there, you know. There was, you go.
1: Um, maybe that was a case of they didn't buy in, they didn't focus. You know, can we?
3: Is, is flipping the switch a real thing? How many examples of this have we got? I feel like it's a conversation that happens with LeBron. Like when he's just not trying right around this time of I the felt year. Like it most happened years. with the
1: Celtics the the first bud year that everybody was like, Oh, they could just flip the switch.
3: But it's it's something people talk about when someone is bad in the regular season or look not yes. to be trying. We never circle back
1: expectations.
3: We never yeah. circle back after the playoffs to be like, Hey, I guess I guess there was no switch to be flipped, you know, at all. You know, this team was just what they were, or this player is just what he is now, or whatever it is. I, I think it's a narrative that comes up at this time of year and then we all just are distracted by the actual important basketball stuff where we never circle back to be like, it's kind of just a falsehood. It's, it's not something to really put any kind of stock into this idea at this point. So maybe the books are a team that can do that, but are there other teams have people like consistently been doing that? Is it something that's like, Oh yeah. Winners can do. I I don't know. Uh, I think as a general rule, building good habits which is certainly what the books have valued like and they've spoken about and stressed that i I think that is a better approach and it could work out it may not work out we have seen both outcomes from the books but i I think it's the the way to go
2: uh from an mk robert are the bulls actually good are they 2017 raptors good i think the bulls are good they're not the best team in the Eastern Conference which the standings right now would say they are but I I do think they're good but like what is good like are they better than the books no are they better than the Nets no are they better than the Heat I'd be inclined to say no but they could be like I would say that would be a competitive
3: series but I think we all settled on before the season. And honestly, even with all the weirdness or maybe because of all the weirdness, I'm not really believing much else to change my mind. I think there's the books, there's the nets, and then there's a colossal gap to what's below that. So even if the bulls are legitimately the best of the rest, that means they're good. They're not great. And they're, they're likely just going to
2: fall to the books or the nets from playoff time. Yeah.
1: It could be a feel good story. It could be, I think DeMar DeRozan a uh, divisive player for some time. It's I've liked seeing him kind of get his due because you know for all the flaws that have been painted towards him, he's been a very consistent player, and it, it has felt like even when he was on those Spurs teams that kind of faded post Kawhi and over the last couple of years. It felt like he's gotten better consistently um, or played at to a higher level. Um, I don't know. The, I, I I'm, Again, I'm also saying this as someone who has not watched the Bulls at all this year. They have not played the Bucks, so <laughs> my excuse for actually seeing them
2: is not. They haven't uh, played the Bucks yet? No. I've seen the Bulls, so maybe I have watched some other game. The only other time I probably would have
1: watched them if they had a Christmas game, but they did not because no one saw them being as good.
2: <laughs> wow. So there's a whole flurry of books, bulls have to come up. From at James Ontario 12
3: is Giannis overworking himself through these stretches of games without health. And will it come back to bite us in the playoffs? I think Giannis's body language is a little interesting at the moment. There are times where I feel like he looks like someone who's just burned out, like, in terms of the, are we really doing this? There are times where I don't think he's been as full-paced as he would generally be. And that's
2: fine. You know, I'm I'm not going to paint that to be any kind of issue at all, really. He is maybe. I mean,
3: I, I've said it before, and I'll continue to say that. I... I think Giannis is a big part of the reason why they should have just a serviceable backup big because it allows Bobby to play some more four. It allows Giannis to play some primarily four, um, aside from shorter spurts where you want him at the five. And it's just all of that is protecting him little by little. It might be a minute here or there, but that all adds up. And. Yeah, I, I don't think the roster is ideally too at the moment to protect their best player.
2: That's no. the, the simple way of putting it. I don't think the roster nor the season. <laughs> Just because they're going to have to,
1: they have to rely on him more for center minutes. And
3: there's always guys out too. So there's not rest opportunities. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're one of yeah, the like, 10 guys who's good to go tonight. You've got to play. Like, exactly.
1: Like last night was a, a kind of a good example. Example, like it was not like a monstrous Gian, Giannis game, but it was something that, you know, even on an off night, it's like, oh, it's a, you know, whatever he finished with. Um, But it's like, okay, they don't have any point guards. It's basically him and Chris handling most ball handling responsibilities. Um, He's playing defensively. So you have to switch. You have to, they're doing all these zone coverages. They're having to play. You know, defend the space, drop back, all this stuff, and it's like the amount of the the workload and the things that you are consistently asking him to do in all phases of a forty eight minute game, of which he's playing like what thirty six minutes at this point because they don't have any big man death. Like, yeah, that's gonna get it get to you eventually. Um, we'd be foolish not to think that it would. Uh, I don't think that's. I don't think that's a thing. That's Yadas is. It's a problem because of you know they don't have Brooke. It's him and Bobby that are essentially the centers in the front court of you know a playable rotation. But like, it's going to tax on Chris. It's going to tax on the guys that are you know getting a bigger opportunity but they it may not fit that role like if everything was equal if that makes sense but i think yeah this is more the biggest example obviously because they're just asking him to do a lot more than he has ever done playing center doing all sorts of different things in a regular season sense um especially in the bud era just because they lowered minutes for the first couple of years last year was like okay let's try to be you know build them up and try to do different things and now you're building on that where and you don't have your starting center everyday starting center you know available so it's like yeah it's definitely going to wear and tear on them and hopefully knock on what nothing bad comes in it but it's it, that in itself is a learning experience for as bit great of a player as Giannis. Is.
3: It it doesn't have to go bad in a kind of explosive and dramatic way like almost happened the conference finals last year either. Um you could just look tired. He could just look like he doesn't have it come the postseason. It's entirely totally possible. Let's hope not, but it's in play. From at holiday drew time and from at akumpo
2: underscore burner. Who will be traded before the deadline, Jordan? In a general sense or a buck sense? Let's a go no, Book buck sense.
3: <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, ben Simmons, is that what you want to talk about? Here we go. Um,
1: I don't know who's going to be traded.
3: It's the salary filler. Like, if they make a trade, it's going to be Dante or Wara or Shemmy or Rodney Hood. It's going to be. Some combination of those kind of guys that are needed to match salary, you know, for, for some deal they're doing. I, I don't really imagine anything happening with other guys above that because this doesn't look like a team that's broken and in need of any sort of shakeup trade with someone who's an actual rotation player. I mean, like, what are you going to do? You're going to trade Pat or Bobby or Grayson? That's like... They they don't have guys they're gonna trade. Um, I guess the person you put there and be like uh, they could. Nor hypothetically, can they
1: trade Grayson either. Too
3: that's also true. Um, you could hypothetically be like, would they trade Brooke? I think the answer is very much no. Like maybe a deal is there, and they're like, oh well, this is the long term answer. It solves the problem now, solves the problem then. But that is such a groundbreaking shift, um, that. It would not be advisable midseason either. You know, that's not the kind of move if if they are planning along those lines for the, the near future, even I wouldn't be making that midseason. And I'd also like to see Brooke come back and just see what he looks like. Because if Brooke comes back and still looks like Brooke, I think there's another couple of years where he could be the glue of this team and this team could win a couple of championships. Like, that is an unknown right now, but they're in a better position than anyone to try and have some feel on how his recovery is going and what he might look like. But yeah, for me, I think it's it's just salary filler, and I'm calling them salary filler because that's all they are. And I, I would say it's probably best for everyone to kind of get into that mode and be pleasantly surprised if if it turns out, no, actually, there's a team that really wants Dante and is going to give something for him. Um, I, I think mostly it's just guys that are going to, be the bits and pieces to get a deal a deal done. That's that's it for me. Like I, I don't see much else.
1: Yep. Nothing nothing earth shattering or uh again, it's a bucks trade deadline. It's I don't see Nikola walk walking through that door.
3: I hope not. <laughs> Um from a James Ontario 12 and also um from Ada underscore burner, we've got questions basically on the starting shooting guard spot and the shooting guard rotation. So James Ontario 12, what are the thoughts on on Wesley, Grayson, and Pat and how do we get our shooting guard rotation clicking? And from Ada Kumpo Burner, who should start Grayson, Dante, Pat or Wesley. I've got Wes because he can defend better than all of them and is a better player overall. Um, I've got Grayson but still I think who I would like to have I think we saw the glimpses of that very early in the season which was the closest I feel like we got to some sort of sustained period of a real looking books team and the idea of hey what if this guy was there and what if Brooke comes back and we basically get last year's team but there's this supercharged element to it because you've got a a real dead eye shooter who can also do some other things. I think collectively we've talked about it. We've talked about it with Ty and Rowan as well. I think we've all been pretty impressed with Grayson's defense, just in terms of how much of a non-issue it really feels like it is. Maybe that would change in the playoffs, but I would be willing to like give it a try and find out if it changes first, like see, okay, does he get targeted or picked apart in a way where you have to adjust if that's the case, well then you're in a spot where you do have West matches, and that's the luxury of that. Um, the thing with West, though, as we kind of alluded to earlier as well, in terms of this is this a good play right now? Sustainable? As much as possible, I think you want to preserve that and you want to yes. help them out a bit. And if you could get some run where people are healthy and you've got other options, I'd I'd have West come off the bench and play closer to kind of fifteen to twenty minutes then be a starter and be playing upwards of that because he's in the back end of his career and he had a long spell before the season or even before he came to the books um, where he wasn't really playing. And maybe that's something that's banked and is to his advantage, or maybe that's something that as the season comes on, there's a drop-off that's even kind of more steep. That's a little bit more accelerated. So Wes playing well, I'd be trying to protect them and Pat, I mean, Pack applied to two, but Pat, I still think more of a shooting guard, even more of a, or sorry, more of a small forward, more of a power forward at times. That's just, you know, the value of that is the utility of him really.
1: Yeah. There's more utility versatility with both Pat and Wes that isn't necessarily there with Grayson. And I think I would start Grayson too. I think there's a certain element of plug and play with both Pat and Wes that i don't – I'm not sure. – I think there – there, it is there with Grayson, but as we saw where, you know, he – a lot of his best games came when, you know, injuries were hitting the Bucks early on during this whole storm of missing players, missing guys on a daily basis. Um, I think it's more important to have him fully integrated with the starting lineup and playing alongside, like, Drew, Giannis, Chris, as much as you can – more than there is a Pat and Wesley, just because you've, we've seen it. We, we, under, they understand how they can, where their role comes from with their, t- how touches are distributed and where to position themselves on the forward. I don't think it's necessarily, I think it was getting there with Grayson. And now, you know, he's out for, for what feels like a month, but it's been a couple of weeks and you kind of have to build back towards that again. Um, that's where I stand on it. I think I, I just think it's a little bit more important to kind of, if you really want to see the most optimized version of this Bucks team, if that exists. <laughs> um, I think Grayson is a part of that just because he, there is just a different element to it that I don't think existed with another kind of dead-eye shooter who can make plays at the ball, both in terms of you know driving or even occasionally giving you know some passing and to kind of really cement his place within the bucks rotation and just overall
3: foundation jordan i would love to see the most optimized version of the books can you arrange that for me i i don't know i've been
1: arranging it for all the season it hasn't check back check
3: back on it and get back to me um, lastly, from more cowbell five twenty is releasing Boogie the ultimate sign of the front office's confidence in Brooks' eventual return. No, I mean no. Um, John Horst has done a lot of great things for the books. He helped us win a championship. I am not in. I'm not of the mindset to give credit for something where there, we currently have no reason to give credit for it, and that is that is the current state of that. I mean, if you want to kind of give that decision a, an incomplete grade or a, a TBD on, you know, what is the process behind that? Or maybe in a books case, more important, say, what will the results look like at the end of the season um, coming out of that decision? Fine. I mean, I, I think Horst is entitled to that, but he, I definitely wouldn't be giving ownership, front office, anyone credit for releasing Boogie right now and Even more so, like with the particular the question here. No, because Brook's not back yet, so don't release Boogie, and then Brook's not back, and you're still without a center. Like the money, the money is not. It's not a crazy amount, considering what they get back from the league. It's not a crazy amount. It this goes back to what I think we thought at the start of the season, and then we were pleasantly surprised. We're like, oh. They will use the 15th roster spot. They'll use it early. Uh, Well, they will and they won't. It's like, that was great. We got some optics. We all got to forget about that for a while. And now it's kind of like, yeah, it would be good to have a few more months to ride out without that. Even when the team more than ever maybe needs as many players as possible on the roster. Like, so there's some real flawed decision-making at the heart of that in terms of practicalities. The motivations for it. I, that's tough. Like, Brooke is not back and he's not on the verge of being back tomorrow from anything we've heard. Trust me. Yep. Shams will have a 15 second sit down with Brooke when that's the case and we, we'll know all about it. You know, when there's news, Jordan, we'll get a, we'll get, maybe Brooke will do a sit down and be like, yo, oh, I'm probably out for the next two years. And a week later, he'll be back in the lineup. So that will be the reverse of what we got last time. But no, for me, I, there's no, There's no praise. There's no credit owed to anyone for that decision because that's a decision that right now has made the books worse than they were a week ago. So maybe we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. It should probably drop sometime soon, though. (laughs) If it's it's Brooke will be back at Barch. that's the other shoe and we'll be fine and we'll save some money until then.
2: That's not great. That's all we've got, Jordan. Happy uh Happy Tuesday to
3: books fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying the season. hope you've enjoyed the episode i i haven't I haven't heard the last couple of um, Eurostep episodes. There's actually there's, there's a couple there that I really want to dive into too. Maybe you have maybe, maybe you don't, but you could probably guess. do you think do you think they're a little bit more like a little bit more peppy? you know there's a little probably. bit more. I feel, I feel like there is. I feel like that's probably how podcasts are supposed to be. Um, but yeah. I'm struggling to find the, the goods of the books right now. Let's hope that the situation clears up for them and over the next couple of weeks we can start to see something just a little bit more serious, a little bit more reflective of the books that we all know and love and hope will, will go on another kind of deep and exciting run as the postseason comes around until next time make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts you can also subscribe to your step podcast network on youtube you can go and sign up to our substack .substack gspn.substack.com that way you'll never miss any of our content all the posts all the podcasts articles everything all in one place which is directly to your inbox so that's a nice easy way we're taking all the hassle out of it for you we're bringing the content to you what more could people ask for jordan we're making the content we're delivering it hand delivering it to them. have <laughs> oh, i forgot anything else i think that's it that's it all right until the next time thanks again to all of you for listening thank you jordan thank you